Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 193. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Jillian. Dina. (laughs) This is our wrap up call part, the final part. I can't believe it. Fierce self-compassion. So if you had to summarize this in just a few sentences, what would you say? Well, we just chatted about some big emotions. So I would say it brings up some big emotions, Dina, if to quote to quote your words of choice here, how about yourself? So I was telling Jillian before we recorded that I heard the term big emotions. Instead of using like triggered, it brings up big emotions. I love that term. So if you hear me say it, it's because I love the term and chances are I'm having big emotions about something. <laughs> Here's, here's my summary of the book. Life isn't fair. We don't treat each other. Well, even women with other women, we don't treat each other. Well, women in general are underpaid, undervalued. There's lots of cultural societal expectations and minimizing. And we are made to be people pleasers. We're made to be nurturers. We're made to accept whatever somebody wants to give us positive or negative. That's supposed to be our role. And This book has given me lots to think about in two ways. One, I don't have to accept what the environment wants to give me. Two, I can take care of myself no matter what. And if the internal process foundation is strong, the external environment is less relevant to my quality of life. That's so good. Slam dunk. So good. You captured that so well. I totally agree with what you just said. Because I I love how she shares, this is what fierce looks like, and you're taking care of yourself. This is what tender looks like, and you're taking care of yourself. And these are all the things that aren't right that are going on in the world. Like, especially the breakdowns of pay when it comes to not only gender, but ethnicity too. There's just a lot to get upset about. Like, this is, this is inherently wrong. I know as one person, I, there's a finite amount that I can change or I can do. And I also know that within me, I get the opportunity to say yes or no. Yes, I'm going to participate or no, I'm not. Yes, I'm going to participate with these boundaries, these limitations, these expectations, or I'm not. And either way, my happiness is not on either way. My happiness can be there regardless of what the choice is. And I think also exactly what you said, you captured that. I really appreciate how you just said that. And if the cost of not working on our internal self-compassion is that we continue to have the blinders on. We continue to accept the status quo of the culture that is around us. So in working on this self-compassion through the book and through some more of uh, Dr. Kristen Neff's work that she has on the selfcompassion.org, it was like putting glasses on for the first time. Because I love like the image of having a fish that's swimming in water. And if you ask the fish, how's the water? They're like, what water? you know, because they've been swimming in it their whole life. They can't really identify what is water. But the book, it it has you take a step back so that you could really see, oh, this is what I've been swimming in. And I found myself getting very frustrated 
and having so much love and appreciation for the young girl who was doing the best she could an environment where there were so many obstacles and it's so exhausting. And I was advocating and feeling like it was going into like this black cloud. Like no one was validating what I was feeling, which was like, this isn't fair. And if people are benefiting from the way that the culture is, they're going to invalidate what you are identifying. Like this isn't fair. And that's exactly where the boundaries you mentioned are so important that if people are benefiting from us, our lack of boundaries and our people pleasing, they're not going to want you to put those glasses on and see that things should be different, that you don't want things to be the way they are. And they will get angry and they will try to put you back in your place, which has happened to me quite a few times. Right. And, and workplaces, I mean, just looking at a bigger picture, workplaces that benefit from people who don't say no, or who are told if you want to keep your job, you can't say no. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, when that becomes what's normal, that's a difficult life to lead. That's difficult work to do. And boy, does it lead to a lot of coping, a lot of telling ourselves and minimizing our emotions, telling ourselves, oh, that it's just them. This is normal. We just have to get through it. We got to work a little bit harder. You know, all those excuses that we have to justify either toxic or neglectful environments. Yeah, you've heard me say quite a few justifications, right? And looking back and why do we, it's like, so why are you allowing it to be that way? What would it take to choose differently? And I think leaning into the uncertainty when even though the certain is uncomfortable and you don't want it, it's familiar. So leaning into what you do want can feel more uncomfortable in the beginning because it's unknown. So we go back and we stay with the familiar, which also is not comfortable or desired. Right. It it reminds me of dating. (laughs) Like, why do we tend to date the same personalities? Because they're comfortable and they're familiar and they're probably really fun at first (laughs) until they're not. (laughs) Yeah. And then we say, I'm not going to do that again until we do. Boy, it's that pull to to just be okay or, or say that things are okay and accept things as they are rather than really hold out for how we want them to be or put putting the effort into to what we want it to be, whether it's the environment or the relationship or the work. You know, as you talk about being a little girl, I, I think back to when I was a little girl and how many times, which is probably thousands, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, I told myself I'm doing this wrong. I must be doing this wrong. Either I'm not happy, I'm not getting far enough, I'm not fitting in, I'm not like the people around me, I must be doing this wrong. And even now it comes up. At 52 years old, it still comes up sometimes. And I have to go back and think, but I really wasn't. I was doing it the best way I knew how to do it. Sometimes it maybe it felt like I was making it up, but I wasn't doing it wrong. And I, I think that's also a a great place for self-compassion is that no matter doing it right in our minds or just doing it, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. We're going to stumble. We're going to get bruised. We're going to get scarred. That is life. And life isn't fair. (laughs) And we can still treat ourselves so well, whether we get it right or, or we get it horrendously wrong, we can still be so generous and kind and tender to ourselves and get back up and grab that sword and move on. 
Definitely. And Kristen Neff highlights her own experience with doing just that. And you think about these people who have been practicing self-compassion and studying self-compassion for a really long time. And she has, I think the last chapter is like become a complete mess, right? It's just do it imperfectly. Becoming a compassionate mess is what the epilogue is titled. And that's exactly what it's all about, right? You just embrace the full spectrum of feels and human emotions and thoughts and become a compassionate mess means doing it imperfectly. For sure. As I go back to the sword analogy, I think of St. Joan of Arc. (laughs) And one of the things that she is quoted as saying is, I was born for this. I was born for this. I love that saying. And I like to think about that. Like no matter what I'm facing, I was born for this. I was born for this situation at this time. And the other thing from what you shared that comes up is if I have two patients and they're both in heart failure, I would never think that they're identical because they have led different lives. There's different reasons that led up to their heart failure. Their kidneys are working differently. The medications they're taking are different. And so I, I can't assume that one size fits all, that this is by the book, this is how we treat heart failure because it may not be true for them. And I don't believe society has the answers for me. I believe that I have to find the answers that fit me with my life and my context, my experience, um, and just as I do with my patients to treat them very individually. I find that being in research has really helped open my mind because when I was learning science in college, you know, you thought it's everything's known and then they teach it to you. They spoon feed you and you're learning all the things that are already known, right? And then the more you know, the more you know, we don't know everything and that it's a constant learning opportunity for all of us to lean in. And the moment you think you know it all, you've ceased to, to continue learning. And and I find that's often the most nerve wracking people to be around are the people that are confident that what they know is true. And I like to live with the healthy skepticism that what I believe, understand where did it come from and hear other people's opinions and their thoughts and appreciate where, where, where does that come from? And like you captured with the patient, well, everyone has their own perspectives. They grow up in their own family units. They grew up in their own environment and Even in the United States, from city to city, state to state, we talk differently. We have different thoughts and beliefs and coming to people and to really understand. So what I was sharing uh, was that, you know, getting to know people where their backgrounds are from, how they develop their beliefs and having an open mind and then also be curious about where did I get my beliefs, where did it all stem from? There's always, you know, a lot of arguments online from people that believe that what they think is the truth. And I like, like I said, I think the best thing has been just to keep an open mind and be curious. Right. So for me, curiosity, it doesn't invite in judgment. It just keeps things nice and open. It's like I have plenty of room to walk around and explore and see what I think and see how it feels and try things on and put things back and pick up things and take them with me. That's what I love about curiosity. There is no right or wrong. There's simply, hmm, what's this? I just went to see somebody super cool who's going to be one of our speakers at Emerge Stronger. And on the flight home, talked with two different individuals. It was fascinating. I generally don't talk. <laughs> I read a book. I make it very clear that that 
that, you know, this space is private. We're all good. <laughs> and for some reason, two po very positive experiences of having conversations. And you know what I heard in each one? This very harsh critic. And I thought, oh, wow, this is really fascinating. Like I have just been given the gift of being able to speak to that harsh critic or, or speak to the person so that they realize that that harsh critic is pretty optional. It's not overnight. They can't just flip a switch, but it's pretty optional. And instead they could have huge doses of kindness, compassion, generosity, acceptance, love, even if the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Mm. It was super fun. Like it felt so gratifying at the end. Yeah. What are a couple points that you're going to take away from this book? I think at the end here, she talks about our relationships and I, it brought up a lot for me reflecting back to all of my relationships throughout my life and how I push people away and feedback I was given was that I didn't accept love and my heart hurts because it's true. Um, I didn't think I was worth loving like my whole life. So I think back to where these people are, because I stayed friends with most people that I've had relationships with throughout, you know, you're young, middle school, <laughs> high school friends. Like you pointed out, I thought something was wrong with me. When I thought something was wrong with me, I didn't allow people to get close enough, even more so if they said that they loved me. I was like, oh, you think you love me, but if you hung out with me long enough, you would realize I'm nothing special. So I would push them away before that they could reject me and break up with me and, and left myself with that void. And what I realize now working on relationship with self is how important that is because without that work to develop self-compassion and relationship with self, the trajectory that I was on was constantly accepting relationships within, you know, not only personal, but work relationships that validated my internal belief that I wasn't worthy of being loved, valued, and seen. There was a quote by Danielle Laporte that says, the world looks back at you, reflects back at you, how much you value yourself. I try to remind myself if something is going on where I don't feel valued or seen, I say, how am I showing up in a way where one, I'm valuing and seeing myself and it's so much unlearning. Like I just feel that deep pain in the inner child wounds. It's just reflecting on all the times I didn't advocate for myself or I thought I deserved to be treated poorly. Yeah. Kind of that wondering, why isn't anyone taking care of me? And what Dr. Neff offers in this book is we may never be able to explain why, but what we can do is we can give ourselves that which we missed and it's never too late. It is never too late for me to treat myself the way I wanted to be treated 45 years ago. Mm -hmm. It is never too late to just kind of hold on to my heart and say, oh, look how beautiful this is. Look how wonderful this is. Without having to remember all the reasons that I scarred it, <laughs> I bruised it, I threw it across the room, I, I tried to hide it can just say, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. Look at how far we've come. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like exactly to your point of not having it before developing it now, it 
creates such a more of a powerful, strong, it's like this fierce, just like the book says, but fiery from the inside, because you know the cost of not leaning into self-compassion, of not having your own back, if not advocating for yourself, right? Always think, you know, we think about the messy middle, it's kind of a hard place to change, but if you hit a rock bottom, well, kind of want to change, you don't want to stay there, right? So, or if you started at a higher place with self-compassion and it was always, you just were always so full of self-compassion and didn't have the obstacles and the adversities, it's hard to relate to people who are struggling. So, you know, we all have struggles, some more so than others when it comes to like societal obstacles that are created, but we all have struggles. And that common humanity is what this book was all about. It's really identifying I'm no better than anyone else. And I'm not going to compare my suffering to other suffering. I'm going to hold space for my suffering and I'm going to hold space for all their people as they experience their full range of emotions as well. Mm -hmm. Another point that I'm going to take away with me is that I am a better friend when I treat myself compassionately. I'm a better listener. I am better at meeting somebody where they're at because I have, I'm acknowledging where I've been or where I might be right now. And I am treating them equally. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm a big advocate for inclus like inclusivity. I remember in middle school, people would develop cliques and it just irked me inside, you know, and I didn't like people to feel left out. I think the pain of loneliness was something that I experienced really early as well and trying hard to fit in, be liked. And it was so painful to just keep trying so hard. And so making sure that people don't, people know they be themselves. We will love and support you. You be you because we often lose ourselves in trying hard to become someone that we're not just to feel that sense of fitting in. For sure. I think what is beautiful about compassion and connection is that I don't have to know somebody's story. I don't know have to have to know where they've been to be able to see their heart. And when I see somebody's heart, that's when I feel connected. That's when the the generosity flows, the abundance flows, the love flows that says, I'm just going to walk with you. I mean, it's something that Dawn offers me as she offers many people. I'm just going to walk with you. We'll go at your pace. This is good. This is good. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, it's beautiful. So what's next? Well, you were saying, you know, the things that we have the hardest time taking away, right? It's like so easy now to say we have to put our oxygen masks on first. There's all this value in taking care of ourselves first and giving ourselves self-compassion. She talks a lot about setting boundaries, I think these concepts, like it makes sense when you read them, but for the listeners who are like, okay, it makes sense, but how do we apply these? How do we start to unlearn all the thoughts and behaviors that we've had throughout our lives? What are some ways in, in your life that you've been more intentional about increasing your self-compassion and advocating for yourself when it comes to setting boundaries? Yeah. So one of the things that is just, is coming up is thinking about what's behind the smile. I often think about that because we're so culturally, I don't know the word, but it's so expected that we smile for photos, for social events, for whatever that we smile. And I often think what's behind the smile. That's the person I want to know. And, and it may be another smile. 
one of the ways I take care of myself is that the outside reflects the inside, not the outside reflects what it's supposed to be, should be, what society says it, it needs to be, what somebody expects of me, but the outside reflects the inside. And to share, when somebody asks me how I am, I, I usually say I am leading a whole life. I've got the most amazing things going on and I've got things that are just piercing my heart right now. And that's what I believe a whole life looks like and I don't want it any different. I want to feel the whole reach of the human experience. I want to feel it. And would I prefer that it's all over here? I don't think so anymore. Because if it's all over here, then I that means there's a whole section of people and experiences that I'm missing out on. And because it pierces my heart, it says that my heart is open to receive and to be with somebody where they're at. Because I know that when I'm in that space, I want someone to be with me. That being alone is very destructive. Another way is inviting others into the journey. I am so good at creating abscess, abscesses, abscesses, whatever the word is. <laughs> I'm so good at creating them, right? It's like the shame. You take it in, you wall it off, you hide, don't let people see, don't say anything. And I have learned that for me to have a more free, more fulfilling life, I need to invite people into that space. And I need to start telling myself a different story about what's in that space. Because blame and shame and guilt and regret is never going to get me anywhere other than more of the same, which is the hiding, the sharing a smile, telling people it's okay. And inside I'm just dying. Yeah. It's that there's, isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't compassion to be with suffering? Isn't that what the word means? It's like passion. It's something of that nature, like to be with suffering. That's what it, it sounds like. I think palliative is to reduce suffering too. Yeah. Cause I was surprised when I think I was listening to Kristen Neff explain like the breakdown of the word and what it meant before I started diving into her research. It's not something if someone asked me, well, what does compassion mean? If you were to break down the words, I wouldn't have thought to be with suffering. But the point of her breaking that down was to share with us, like, you were not meant to be happy all the time. You know, we're also not meant to be suffering in dark all the time, but to, to be present with all that comes up. And, and I still found myself, you know, it's hard when I started advocating for myself, it can be challenging if you're not advocating to receptive ears and how much energy it takes, but knowing that you've got your own back and you're doing, you're showing up the way that you want to show up, even if it's not being received in a way that you would hope. And then identify, well, when does your environment need to shift? Mm -hmm. I find that to be very complex in my brain where I overthink maybe, I think a lot, I analyze a lot and also am more prone to turn inward and stay silent. But there are people that are really good at, if, if they don't want to hear you advocate, they're really good at turning yourself back inward, right? Because they, there's you know, there's some personalities that will challenge you in a way that's, again, I don't want to use the word triggering because now you gave us a new term that can bring up some big emotions. And I find <laughs> now I'm like, I'm feeling extremely fatigued today because, you know, I got up the courage and I've been working so hard to advocate for myself. And when you feel like it should go one way when you're advocating and it goes another and you, I think it's the experience of grief and acceptance of what is, but also to appreciate how proud I could be of how I showed up and went into the arena, as Brene Brown might say. 
it's going to be a fun conversation. It's the last Sunday in October in Emerge. We're going to be talking about relationships and specifically discerning when it's time to leave and when it's time to work harder. What I see and what I know in my own life is that many high achievers, myself is probably in the lead. We give other people a lot of credit and that goes along with telling myself the story. I'm not doing it right. So other people must be doing it right. So I give them way too much credit. And then I tell myself I have to work harder. I have to figure it out because I'm not doing it right. And they must be. And I stay in relationships way too long. And then I realize, wait a second, they're not doing it right. And in fact, the way they're doing it is destructive. And then I hit myself on the head a little bit. And then I go back to that compassion place at some point to realize it is time to leave this situation because I can't change it. And the way it's changing me isn't acceptable. Yeah. I find it to be a very exhausting path to navigate, (laughs) but I'm hopeful the more that we navigate those paths, the earlier we'll be able to identify them at the beginning of the path before we're down down too many miles and have to turn back or forfeit and run off. If you're running an off trail run at that point, you know, it's just I think that's where that self-compassion helps it to not be so emotionally exhaustive because you're just allowing and giving yourself grace. Right. And it's an opportunity for both the fierce and the tender, the tender to say, oh, we're here again. Mm -hmm. And just, just to kind of soothe the nerves that are on fire for being there again. And then the fierce of, all right, lace up your sneakers. It is time to go. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not shaming, not blaming for being in this spot, but just being very tender. And then also saying, we aren't staying. It is time to go. Just like we would do for, for our best friend or for our animals in our life. If they're in a situation, we'd be very tender. Like it's okay. It is time to go. Yeah. That's a great picture. I like that. Can be very fierce. I'm known as a helicopter mom with my dog Reese and we're in training right now. And his trainer is you are the advocate for Reese because Reese can't advocate for himself. I like to be his advocate. I know he can advocate for himself, but I feel that guilt if I put him in a situation that wasn't the best fit for him. And I've been more mindful and like, well, I learn and in the evolution of the experiences that Reese have. If people don't know Reese, my little cockapoo dog who would try to fend for himself, but just isn't equipped with the right tools to do that. And it's like, okay, how can you translate how you care for your loving animals, your children, your best friend, and give that to yourself? Like you just said. Yeah. So I just picked up my phone to take a look at our our recent conversation where we were talking about vows. And I don't remember if we've talked about it in our recorded sessions that we talked about vows that are made in response to trauma. And I found this so fascinating. I just did a a healing the whole person retreat and they talked about the vows we make out of pain. And I made, I have made so many of them. Most of them, I don't even realize I made, but I still follow them. So I'll never get married was one of them. It was hugely strong. And then when Craig and I got engaged, the second one was, I will never have children. And I remember his mom asking my mom when we were going to have kids and my mom responding, oh, she doesn't want kids. And, and his mom being surprised about that, right? So these vows that we make, I will stay in this job for this amount of time. I will never talk to that person again. I will keep that person in my life forever, right? All these vows that we make. And I find such a huge role for compassion 
to be able to acknowledge what we swore we would do, we wouldn't do, we shouldn't do, we can't do, we will do, to have such compassion for the pain that we must have been in to make that vow, and then to have compassion and give ourselves huge amounts of grace to say, it doesn't apply anymore. Mm. I do not have to uphold this anymore. I, I, we, we have a lot of individuals, including myself who have a fixed mindset and I followed a lot of rules my whole life as well. It kind of relates to your vows and it went from all spectrums of things I thought was keeping myself safe. And mine were, you know, food rules or exercise rules or all the rules that you thought helped you be worthy. It's very similar. Your vows. Yeah. I really love how you created that picture and also showcased how you've evolved over time with having been married now and have a child and went into the army. (laughs) That was another one. (laughs) I think that so many of us, we have kept ourselves safe by making these vows that we're going to follow. If my mom says, do this, I'm going to do it because I can't disappoint them. I can't, they, they can't be upset with me. That's, that's one example, but societal, I will dress like this. I will always dress like this. I will never dress like that. All of these things, like we we put ourselves in such a small box and that box at some point in time, it doesn't fit. And then we blame ourselves. Why isn't this good enough? Why am I not doing this? Why aren't people accepting me? Or what do I do if somebody gets upset? And oh, huge amounts of compassion when with realizing how did I get here? Because this place, ooh, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Escaping those boxes, you know, or developing that, that growth mindset. And I think being grounded, growth mindset, grounded in self-compassion is a huge power. It's like a superpower, right? Because you learn how to adapt and mold and adapt and grow and learn from the failures that will come. If you're trying, you know, if you're doing anything new, there will be failures and your failure doesn't make you a failure. It's like, that took so long to accept and acknowledge and reflecting back at like, I was teaching some dentists that were at the VA. We were talking about self-compassion. We were having a chuckle over the things we did in dental school that we used to just rip ourselves apart about like doing a filling for someone. And it wasn't the right, if you're having a white filling, a composite filling, and it wasn't the exact match that it should have been and just beating ourselves up and thinking I should just quit. And for mine in dental school, we waxed teeth for crowns and I didn't get the, you know, great grade on, on one that I turned in. And it was actually a big project. So we, we take all the teeth on a, it's like a cast model and we carve them down and then we wax all the teeth back up and they have to occlude like a regular person's teeth. So it takes a long time to do that. And I didn't get a good grade on it. And I'm like, I should just quit now. Clearly, this is just going to, sh- no one, no dentist is going to do that exact same thing. Like that's not even a great translation of how you would be as a dentist. But I remember how catastrophically down I was on myself, not sleeping, just thinking I should just quit dental school. And those small things are real in the time. Mm-hmm. And those, whatever it is for the people listening, like, yeah, we're going to validate. It feels so real at that time. Giving yourself, you know, validating what's coming up, giving yourself compassion and saying, what can I learn from this? Or how is this going to help me grow? And I think that can help us stop from spiraling backwards too far of say, I am a failure because I didn't do this right. Or 
I think I should have known that before I had the opportunity to learn it. You know, what goes through me as you say that is this sense of how do I decide when it is time to quit? Because some things it, it very clearly can be time to quit and feel great about it. And what comes up is thinking about if I tell myself, if I quit now, that means this is as good as it gets. And am I willing for the story to end right here? And if the answer is yes, hallelujah. So the answer for my business, am I, will, am I willing to quit and let this be good enough? Absolutely. Absolutely I am. And now I am free for, for whatever the next chapter holds. Am I willing to quit? So I'm sure I thought about quitting in medical school. It is hard. It is hard and people around are super smart. And I didn't have the belief that I was super smart. I had the belief I was lucky to get in. But quitting it then and letting that be the end of the story, no way. No way that's not as good as it gets. Uh-uh. Yeah. And I think it's so important when we look inward to say, why did I want to do this? And why do I want to quit? Because then you can see which ones are aligned with your core values and your true authentic nature. And it's hard to decipher that with just a blanket, looking at the superficial, like, I want to quit this because it's hard. And I feel like I don't belong here, which happens to a lot of us. I felt the same way when I was in oral surgery. And and that was compounded by, I also felt like it wasn't the right path for me. And my self-doubt was making it harder for me to determine, is this just my self-confidence? Should I push through this? Or is this really not the right career? And I think in those moments, taking a pause, like the all or nothing is I have to quit this. And if I quit, I'm done for the rest of my life. But giving yourself permission to pause, right? I could have had a gap. Could go back to oral surgery if I want. I'll have to fight hard to get back in. And now, you know, like I know so much more about oral surgery now than I did when I was in residency, (laughs) you know, like when I was applying the first time, I've learned so much more. Now I really know what it would be like to be an oral surgeon. I have a fuller picture and I can make a much more informed decision than I made in 2013. If you had this wand and with your wand, you could grant any wish that's either known, unknown, stated, or unstated, what would you give to every single person listening? What do you want them to know, hear, feel, see, believe, carry with them? (laughs) I want people to know that who they are is deeply valuable, who they truly are, and that they are worthy. And it is exhausting to constantly fight to be who you're not. And I hope that they can give themselves permission to first be, and then lean in to discover who they really are. What's the time to lean into, develop more of, and what's the time to let go of? Yeah. I'm going to ask you the same question in return. And let, let's go back and forth. Cause I'm sure that we'll just keep building on each other. Yeah. That I, it is never too late. It is never too late to pivot, change, transform, make something new, start over, start again. It is never too late. Worthiness is not based on what you do. It's based on your heart. And every listener needs to know that they are deeply loved. They may not feel it or see it, but they are deeply loved. You. When you lean into who you truly are, you will find the community where you feel a true sense of belonging. There's so many great words by Brene Brown, but she says the opposite of belonging is fitting in. And I always found such a deep pain of loneliness when we're trying to be who we're not in order to fit in where we think we need to be. But when you allow yourself to be who you are, you will find your community and you will realize you don't have to keep striving 
You don't have to keep trying to prove anything. You just have to show up. For sure. That's what I love about the Emerge community. It's like anything you needed to prove, you've already done it. Like you have an admission ticket. (laughs) It's in your pocket. Just pull it out. (laughs) I know that I get caught up in stories. I know others get caught up in stories because I ask or uh, they'll say, oh, I thought it was just me. And the stories can change. The chapters can end. New chapters can start. It does take a willingness. And the reason that we go farther in life is not because we did it right. It's because we kept going. After every time we fell, we kept going. After every cut that we maybe needed sutures or surgery on, we kept going. That's what gets us farther. And I think the farther that we go, the more depth is there in life, the more depth that there is in relationships. And I just love that. I'm so thankful for that. And for all of us self-development junkies, remember to also pause and appreciate where you are at right now. Somebody asked me recently, and I love this question is, where do you want to go? So referring to like, where do you want to travel? Like what's on your bucket list? And I thought, I have reached the point in life that it no longer matters. If I am sitting in a waiting room with my son, that is where I want to be. If I am on a train going somewhere with Craig, that's where I want to be. If I am with a group, you know, part of our group, that is where I want to be. And it doesn't matter where it's at. We can be at a cafe. We can be on somebody's living room floor. We can be anywhere. It just no longer matters because it isn't the environment that is relevant. It is the connection. It is the ability to see beautiful hearts, to feel the love that exudes and to know that this is what life is about. That's beautiful. It's that quote, like you want a life that you don't need a vacation from as well. And when I hear that quote, it's just thinking on the day-to-day, having something sustainable because a lot of us just go, 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 then burn out and go, 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 and then burn out and go, 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 and then burn out. And if a sustainable is one of my favorite words, (laughs) just, if you just do things that are sustainable, it's so much gentler on you. And when I went to Sedona, it was the first time that my real high anxiety was able to get to a calm, peaceful place. And I thought I need more of that. How can I create more of that in my daily living? And I realized it's doing something that's sustainable. It's creating a safe space where I can be and I can fully be myself. The things that are lacking in my current life were quite apparent, like having a sense of safety. I live in a city that's not quite known for its safety. And then I also could appreciate who do I want to surround myself with? I want to surround myself with people who I feel safe to be truly myself, to express myself. And I'm often provided feedback that I'm quirky and eccentric. And I used to just kind of stop talking because I don't find myself quirky or eccentric. So I'm like, what are they finding so different about me? And I was perplexed by that. But I'm like, you know what? Sometimes it was meant to be a compliment. Sometimes it wasn't. And I'm just going to keep being me because trying to navigate what they meant by that and their judgment is like, you know what? I actually think we need more quirky. We need more eccentric. We need more fun. You gave us a great book to enjoy uh, with the Secret Garden to have a little bit more fun to get ourselves outside of the hustle and grind of all of usually my adult self-development reading that helps me to pick apart all the things that I need to try to work through, quote unquote. I love that you bring that book up because my first thought was we gave ourselves a reward for going through a book that was challenging. 
And then I realized, wait a second, we didn't need a reward. We didn't need to earn a book that's light and happy or has just an easy message. We didn't need to earn that. And I think my last point is going to be that compassion is not earned. There is no certain time. There's no threshold you have to cross. It is available right now. In fact, it is overflowing. Like you can just come bring your cup, take a little bit, then come back, take a little bit more. But when we starve ourselves with the belief that someday we'll earn it, someday we will have done enough, that someday never comes. That compassion has to start now. Yeah. I'm reading the book Happier by the individual who coined the term the arrival fallacy. And it's, you know, this rat race of keep moving the goalpost because you'll be happy when. And for me, it was the worthiness. It was like, kept moving the goalpost thinking I'll be worthy when, and this is the same thing you just captured. I will be worthy of self-compassion when, and also there will be people that hear us and think, well, that doesn't apply to me, you know? We are the exception. I'm the exception to the arrival fallacy, right? No, I'm going to keep grinding because it will get me there. I am the exception to the self-compassion. I think mental toughness comes from beating yourself down and then building yourself up. Your brain might offer you that you are the exception. And we're here to say, fortunately, you are not the exception. And we invite you <laughs> to, to lean into the community that we have created and we would love you to be part of, but also just find a community that resonates with you. Um, because I think the more we think we're the exception, more isolating and deeper down we can go with all the dark thoughts that come up in all of the heartache and all of the challenges that sometimes we create in our own mind. Yeah. And with community, we never have to walk alone. Even if we're in those dark places, the people with us can walk with us and together we can explore them and stay as long as we need to. That's what I love about our community. So the secret garden, we did not have to earn the ability to read that book. I'm really glad that we have or are reading that book because in my mind, it really reflects, this is a children's book from 1911. It really reflects what happens to kids that are just neglected, how the environment creates their reality. Because as humans, you know, when we're left to our own devices, boy, does the fear, doubt, uncertainty, negativity, selfishness, all of that comes up. And it was fun to read a story that starts like that and really evolves into purpose, meaning, and fulfillment. I think the key here too is to remind yourself to go do those childlike adventures because we forget that, you know, I talked to so many people and the importance of play when it comes to just our own brain health and how much that has helped when we think about being burnout or getting like, I get real serious. My mom is super funny. She is so funny. And I was so serious that I would get annoyed that she could be so goofy. But obviously now I knew that she, you know, we were talking about, well, I must be wrong and I must be right. And she's wrong or who's right. You know, who's right. But I've learned that here. I thought that I was supposed to be more mature, right? I was growing up and a message I received was you have to be more mature and that my mom was less mature than we should be as adults, but she was absolutely very mature. She's just really funny. And that has allowed her to stay youthful. She's so much fun to be around. She has taught me so much through bringing that joy back to my life. When she comes here, we do a lot of things that are just fun that I wouldn't do by myself. I'm like, I need to do this more. Like, this is what life is about. And I had to reflect back and where did I get this judgment that we had to be all professional and mature? 
And now I have this aversion to fitting into boxes that are overly polished because I'm like, that's none of us are that, right? We're all just hiding something. And I just want to show up at Emerge. I will once again be in my athletic gear. We'll be lounging around. Maybe I'll bring back some of my wardrobe that's hot, bold colors and be the eccentric person I once was because I realized like my nickname was Silly Jilly and I lost that. And I lost it because I was told I had to be more mature and older and look professional. And I was like, oh, what if I don't want to? Like, what are the rules? Like, are there rules to being an adult? Are those on it? I don't think so. And if they are, we can erase them. We can erase them compassionately. Yeah. And rewrite them or decide we don't need any more. We've already lived by enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Final thoughts. No pressure. <laughs> oh gosh. I just really want to hear where people are at their reflections, their insights. You know, we're all on this different stages of our self-compassion journey. I'd love to hear what was helpful. Any questions that you have, any insights that you would like to contribute to the audience here on Dina's podcast. And also you can share on our YouTube community. Um, Cause it's been so valuable to hear your thoughts, Dina. And I'd love to hear thoughts from the rest of the community as well. How about yourself? Absolutely. My final thoughts are for everyone, you are worthy right now, regardless of the past and regardless of the future, you are worthy right now. You are loved right now. You may not know how to access tenderness, kindness, compassion, generosity, and that's okay. This book can get you started. There are communities for you. You will know be based on the language that people are using, the words that they're using. You know if they're using words from their head or words from their heart and which ones resonate better for you. And how you feel is so, so important. And those big emotions, whenever they come up, they are so, so important because that's giving you a truth about how you've lived, what you've been told, or what just doesn't feel right. Uh, so continue paying attention to them to weave through what's true, relevant, pure, good right now uh, for your life. Where can people find you? Hang out with me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is called Life True to You. I'm also on Facebook, so you can hang out with me there. And who's the community for A Life True to You? The community is for anyone who is seeking to discover or rediscover what it means to live a life true to themselves and free themselves from all of the societal expectations that hey, have been leading them astray. So any human. Any human. Human, not robot. That's another tagline I have because I'm tired of the world that makes us feel that we need to be robotic and is overcome with too many AIs and taking us away from the deep human connections that so many of us are craving. Yeah. So people can find me on the podcast, Create an Unstoppable Life. Women Physicians and Dentists Emerge is where you'll find us. I'm so glad you're part of the community. I think those are the two big places. I love you so much. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful exploration of what's on the inside when one reads a book. Yeah. I thank goodness that we did this together because it was a doozy and now just trying to reinforce and apply going forward. So I think continuing to do this book together and apply it to our lives will be next phase of our journey. All right. So we are sending you all so much love and we will see you at some point in the future. Ciao. Bye, everyone.